So it'd be like, if you have a clip about opening loops and closing loops, you'd say something along the lines of, Hey, you guys, today I'm going to share with you one of my favorite podcast clips where we're talking about opening and closing loops on YouTube. So if you guys are interested in learning how to get longer watch time and how to build a more solid community, then you're definitely going to want to pay attention to this clip because it is incredible. Wait, wait, wait. Did you open a loop in that? <laughs> I don't I? think you did. I think you yeah. got to do that again with a, with a loop opener. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, no, no, I was. I was just about there. I, I swear, I was just about there. My next line was going to be, and wait till you get to the end, because I drop a bomb of a golden nugget that you're not going to want to miss. Why do some videos do so well on YouTube, and the vast majority so poorly? What's an open loop? And how do you keep people engaged with your content? Welcome to Grounded Content. This is the podcast for you if you are a content creator, a content strategist, or an entrepreneur battling with how to create effective content for your brand or your business. I'm your host, Marian Abrams, and today my guest is Scott Simpson. Scott is the CEO of Video Marketing World, but he's also a content creator and a YouTube coach. And that's why I asked him to join me today on Grounded Content. I'm going to keep this intro short because this interview is full of what we call golden nuggets. There are so many in there. There is no fluff. So let's jump right in. Welcome to Grounded Content. I am pretty excited about this one. Today, Scott Simpson is here and the way that I know Scott is Rich Cardona, who's been on this podcast, and Heather Parody. I've been hearing them talk about their journey with NFTs for newbies. And they've started this YouTube channel. And, you know, one thing about the two of them is they are so dedicated to their craft and to learning and to finding the best coaches to get them there. And they've been talking about the advice you've been giving. And so, I right away said, Rich, can I meet Scott and would he be willing to come on the podcast? Well, that's awesome. I'm super excited to be here and I love talking about YouTube. So our audience, there are a lot of content creators or content strategists, and they're thinking about how to make content that's effective. You touched on something that I want to dive a little bit deeper into, you know, what does it mean to have effective content? Does that mean that you're getting a ton of subscribers on YouTube? Does it mean that you're getting a ton of revenue from YouTube? Does it mean that you're getting a million views on each video? Or does it mean that you're converting leads with your content? I know a number of people, even some of the people that we work with, who have channels that are relatively small, you know, a thousand, maybe a few thousand subscribers, but they're making five, six figures sometimes a month because of the lead generation. And so for them, it's like effective content doesn't mean that they're going to go super viral. It means that they're finding that target audience and they're convincing them that they know what they're talking about. And so I think a lot of the times there's this misconception that people who have smaller channels are doing something worse or they don't have the knowledge that people who have a million subscriber channels have. But in reality, it's we call it a uh, dark horse, right? That's a term that we use in our business. We try to find the dark horses, the people who have small channels but are absolutely crushing it in revenue. And I know a lot of small channels that are way outperforming multiple million subscriber channels in revenue. I love that you went down that alley because that's so important. I have this five P's and the first one is purpose. And by that, it's like, are you trying to grow your email list? Are you trying to get your own clients? Are you trying to get sponsorships, and downloads? You're going to measure your effectiveness in different ways. 
Yeah, I mean, really on any social platform or podcast. And this is one of the things that drives me nuts because people focus so much on like, well, I don't want to be a guest on any podcast that has less than 30,000 monthly downloads. And I'm like, what if it's like the most ideal customer base that you could ever want and you're turning it down? because you're focused on the vanity metric side of things. Right, You sell a medical device and this is a podcast for like, you know, cardiac surgeons and they might have a small audience, but that's your audience exactly. Exactly, exactly. So every content creator has certain questions and they feel like there's a key that they're missing. How do you keep people? How do you grab people at the beginning and how do you keep them engaged? So there's one Mr. Beast video that I look at all the time and I share with all of our clients. It's one where he's giving away cars and he gives away a Lamborghini. But in the first five seconds, he says something along the lines of today, we're giving away cars to Uber drivers. We even have a Lamborghini, something along those lines. It's five seconds long. And the hook at five seconds is we even have a Lamborghini. So what is your Lamborghini second in your content? You need to make sure that you're teasing that within the first five seconds of each video, because that's what's going to keep people from second number five all the way till 20 minutes. That hook has to be so strong that it engages the audience immediately. Most of the time, what people end up doing is they'll start recording a video and they'll be like, hey, you guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Scott Simpson and I am a YouTube expert and I make YouTube videos for people to do, you know, and it's like they see the same thing over and over again. And for 45 seconds, they're talking about themselves instead of trying to hook the audience member for the rest of their content. And people have to remember like that hook is probably the most important part of your video because it sets the tone for the content and it determines how long people are going to stay watching your stuff. So if you are seeing like the hockey stick where it's like, as soon as people come on, they immediately drop off and then the rest of your content gets 40% view duration. You got to focus on what's happening at the beginning of your video. You're not hooking people strong enough. Yeah. That's so interesting because in podcasting, you probably have a minute or two and there's no algorithm. So most of the people that find your podcast already are kind of in for whatever you're going to bring them. They're kind of committed, but they need to know where they are. And so you kind of need to do a little bit of the scene setting, but the hook is super valuable too. Yeah. What's interesting with podcast versus YouTube is like, it's so hard to search for older content on podcasts to like catch up. And so you join a podcast wherever you're at. And then if you really like them, then you're going to binge everything and learn all the backstory and everything. But with YouTube, you can get onto somebody's YouTube channel and they've got a channel trailer right there. So it's like, if you start on video number 750, you can go to their primary channel, watch their trailer and understand what they're all about in five minutes. Whereas with podcasts, it's like, how do you find that original content that shares the story of this podcast host? That's a great point. Yeah. And like, you know, I produce Spartans podcast and we have a YouTube channel and there's these videos from three or four years ago that still continue to perform super well because they're searchable. And so people don't even care about our podcast. They don't know what we're about, but there were a couple episodes about zinc and the pandemic came and everybody wanted to know about zinc and all of a sudden everybody's watching these and they will not subscribe to the podcast. They don't care about our message. They're not engaging with that. But that one video is like everything. Yeah, that's the power of YouTube. Our biggest video has 31 million views and it still gets a few thousand views every single day. And it's six years old. That's the thing. It's like 
if this were a podcast, it would be gone, done, buried, and maybe a handful of people would ever find it. But because it's a YouTube video that is searchable, people find it every single day. What's the video about? (laughs) Of course, you're going to ask me that. It's a skit that I did with my kids about a fake giant spider. It's a small spider that they perceive as a big spider. So what's the hook in that one? The hook was really the thumbnail and the title. Like the thumbnail is has got this giant spider on it and it says giant spider. Honestly, it's like the most ridiculous thing in the world, but it worked. And what's interesting about it is we created it when we were very early on in our YouTube journey. Like we didn't have a huge following. I just had this idea. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this. And now that I'm looking back six, uh, maybe even seven years later, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know exactly why this took off. And so now I use the lessons that I learned from that in teaching our clients and audience how to replicate that success. Yeah. Well, let's break that down a little bit. What are some of those lessons? Yeah. So number one, the video was self-contained value. It was a story that had a beginning, middle and end. And when you create content for YouTube, you want to keep that in mind. Like you want to take people on a journey. Now, I know that there are a lot of channels that focus on like how-to content, but even within that how-to content, you still have to have the elements, you know, of like a three-act structure where it's like, there's the exposition. Why are you teaching this? And then there's a challenge or setting the stakes. It's like, okay, what is at stake if I don't accomplish this or if I don't teach you this? And then there's a transformative moment where you learn something from accomplishing the goal that is bigger than the goal itself. For example, if you were teaching how to sew and you know the stake was, I've got to get this creation, whatever it is that I'm sewing done in a day. And then at the end of the video, not only do you get it done, but you also learn a new technique or it turns out better than you thought. And now you have this moment in the video that's larger than just accomplishing that goal. And it affects people at an emotional level. Emotion is probably one of the most powerful tools that we utilize in the content that we create because it reaches people at a deeper level than just piquing their curiosity. It reaches them at their soul level. And that's what we try to do with our clients is help them reach their audience at their soul level, as opposed to just checking a box. So I think about there's sort of three pieces of growing an audience. There's sort of like the part that's the thumbnail, you got to bring them in. And then there's like the retention. Do they watch the whole thing once they're in there? And then do they come back next time? And I'm thinking probably the emotion plays into all three of those. Would you mind kind of breaking it down, how you would use that in each of those? Okay, so let me give you an example from one of our clients. These guys are plumbers in Los Angeles. Their channel's called Twin Home Experts. And they focus on rodent removal. And what makes them a specialist as plumbers is that They're some of the only plumbers in the nation who are licensed for both rodent removal and plumbing. And so they can find open pipes in your wall where rodents are coming in, like sewer rats are coming in through the pipes. I know it's it's nasty. (laughs) So what they'll do is they'll cut holes in the walls and then they'll find where these rodents are coming in and they'll seal it off and they'll help people solve these problems. So what we're dealing with at an emotional level is putting ourselves in the position of an audience member who has a rodent problem. And so a lot of the times the people at home who are watching their content who can relate will know what it sounds like to hear scratching in your walls. Have you ever had that happen? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You hear scratching your walls and you're like, oh no, 
what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? And then you're thinking to yourself, are they ruining my house? Are they having babies in my walls? <laughs> like all of these things are hitting the audience. All these questions are the questions that people at home have if they've ever heard that. And so us talking about those in the title, thumbnail, and the content is affecting those people at an emotional level. So for example, like when we create a thumbnail about rodent removal and we've had to open up a wall, the text on the thumbnail will say, scratching in your walls, question mark. And then immediately you're emotionally connected if you've ever heard that. For sure. Yeah. At a, at a real gut level, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And then what we'll do for a title is something along the lines of this one is, works all the time. It's how to get rid of rats in your walls fast. Like every time we use that title, like we get a lot of views because everybody who has that problem is searching. How do I get rid of rats in my walls? And the emotional trigger is fast because nobody wants rats in their walls for months. As soon as they hear it, they're like, I need that to stop right now. It'll drive you mad. Right. Because if you added the word like cheap, that works in some cases, but for rats in your walls, fast is way more important. Yeah. And fast will also allow you as a business owner to set the expectation that it's not about cost. It's about service. And so what we've seen is people have actually paid more for speed from our clients than they would otherwise. There's a lot of like wordplay that goes into it because you have to keep it short. You only have 100 characters. And so it's like, how can I say this, trigger an emotion and appeal to search and find the right audience in 100 characters? Yeah, because that was what I was going to ask is how much do you think about search and how much do you think about kind of the emotional trigger you have to do both to an extent so when you're first starting a youtube channel it's mostly about search because that's how you're going to get traffic so with youtube there are like three main algorithms well four now with shorts but you have the search algorithm which when people type something in that's what pops up then you have recommended algorithm so when you create a title that is more viral in nature, then it has a higher likelihood of showing up on the homepage, which is the recommendations. And then you have suggested algorithm, which is the right side column when you're watching a video. And there are different strategies for titling for each of those different algorithms. And then shorts is completely different. It's about triggering a reaction, like almost immediately, like, like a TikTok type of a deal. Okay, so we talked about emotion in the thumbnail. Now we're going to talk about emotion in the, the kind of the view through, the staying engaged through the whole thing. So going back to the twins, some of the things that they do is like when they first start their content, they'll say something like, our next client has been dealing with rodents in their walls for five years. They've had four pest control companies come out and they've never been able to solve the problem. Let's see if we can find it today. So they're like, playing on the worst fears of everybody who is watching, who's ever heard that. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot have this for five years. Oh my gosh, none of these other rodent control companies have been able to find it. And then they're committed to the story when they say, let's see if we can find it. Right, they're triggering that curiosity because I would have thought, oh, well, you know, they're rodent control guys. So they're gonna say, I'm gonna show you how we do this or something like that. But of course that doesn't do what you just did, which is really get me curious, right? Yeah, yeah, it alludes to a story. And so then they're like committed to watching because now they've got to see if they can actually find it. And so each of these videos that we do with these guys, it's almost like a 
can we solve the mystery detective type of content where they're constantly testing new things or looking in different areas and trying to find the problem. And then there's always a point in the video where they find the problem. And then there's a point where the climax is really where like they catch the rodents or the rodents jump out and get trapped somehow. And so like every video is a new story and people love stories. And especially that transformative moment is when you hear in the homeowner's voice how relieved they are that the problem has been solved. The audience feels that relief as well. How do you use emotion to get them to subscribe or to come back for the next video? Yeah, so that's a little bit different. That involves more of like community development. And so there's a lot of things that we do within the content for each of our clients that helps them feel like they're part of a community or makes them feel like they want to be part of a community. So going back to the twins again, one thing that we do with them is let them play off of each other. And so there's a lot of like inside jokes that they have between each other. In the audience, it kind of builds like a I'm team Jimmy, I'm team Dave type of an effect. And then they feel like they're part of the family. So like for anybody who's creating YouTube content, whether it's for a sewing channel or for a rotor removal channel, allowing your audience to come in a few layers deep on the onion, letting them in those outer walls, letting them see who you truly are will make them feel closer to you and make them want to be friends with you. And having rituals, having things that you say in each of your videos that the people can then say with you. And so a lot of the times we'll have little sayings that I'll say, okay, let's make that a ritual. Say that in every single one of your videos. And then you'll have people in the audience who are writing in the comments. Like, for example, uh, the twins, they'll say something like, and remember, we'll see you on the next one. And the people will type that into the comment section. They'll be like, see you on the next one. Or one of our other clients, Alex Hermosi, he'll say things like, I have nothing to sell you. And then people will quote that in the comments. They'll be like, I love this guy already. He has nothing to sell me. I have nothing. To, and they just quote it. And it's, it's like the coolest thing in the world. But each of our clients is a little bit different. And so they all have a little bit different rituals. But the rituals work at helping people feel like they're part of a community. I work with a lot of clients that are in the sort of self-development. And I know you were a motivational speaker. How do you translate this to that kind of work? So 95% of selling or motivational speaking is mindset. And so there's a lot of ways to help people create an epiphany. And that's really what does the selling for you. So storytelling is an incredible tool for helping people create an epiphany in their mind to think, oh my gosh, he did this, so I too can do this. And I think that's really like what we're trying to accomplish in anything that we do is help people realize that they are capable of doing things much greater than they ever thought. And that comes with our stories. It comes from the education that we have or that we, we give. Yeah. So story is one of those things everybody knows they need, but nobody really knows how to do. And, you know, one of the terms that I hear a lot lately, especially in terms of story and YouTube is this open loops and open loops and closed loops. Tell me what that means. Yeah. So this is a great tool that we try to incorporate into each piece of content that hooks people from minute to minute rather than from second one to minute 10. 
it's like every minute and a half or two minutes, you open a new loop that you then close later on. So for example, one of our clients is a fitness instructor. And so we did a challenge with him where it was like he ate nothing but Chick-fil-A for 24 hours. And he goes to the gym. This is like loop one. He's like, okay, I'm waking up in the morning, you guys. Before I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to go to the gym and get some reps in. And he goes to the gym. And while he's at the gym, he starts asking people what they would order for Chick-fil-A. And so it opens like a new segment that then he has to close later. Another thing was like incorporating a challenge. He said, for every rep that I can't do up to 24, I have to eat two chicken nuggets. And so that opens the loop. And then people are watching to see how many bench presses he can do and counting along with him to see how many chicken nuggets he's going to have to eat. And so like all along the way, he has these little challenges or little segments that he's incorporating into the content that keep people engaged because they are creating more curiosity. Challenges work especially well. So if you can create that, put that into your content and sprinkle it throughout your content, it'll lead to much higher audience engagement and watch time. So you would define an open loop as a question or opening a curiosity, starting a task. How do you define what opening a loop is? Yeah, it's basically telling a new story within the story. It's opening a new story, like a new opportunity for a smaller sub story. So you think about it in terms of like movies. Every movie that you've ever watched has segments of the movie. And what they'll do is they will open a lot of different stories, like sub stories that are going on. And then the climax happens. And then all of those sub stories start to close where it starts to wrap everything up. And so I would consider it more like subplots. What are the subplots that you're incorporating into your content? The more that you have, the more that you think about this, the better your content is ultimately going to do. So I should have opened a loop when we started this conversation. How would I have done that? If you were me and we were starting this interview, how would you open a loop at the beginning of this? That's a good question. Okay, so you could have opened it with like a challenge where like one thing that would be really cool You'd say, okay, every time we say the word YouTube, we're going to tally it up. And at the end of the podcast, you know, we'll have to do something if we reach a hundred times we say the word YouTube. So then there's like this subplot that's going on throughout the entirety of the podcast where people are counting a lot. Oh, they said YouTube again. And you've got this little counter going on. That'd be like a really simple open loop that that you could throw into it. Yeah. So simple. I would never, ever have thought of it. (laughs) Well, it's my job, right? I like think of opening loops and closing loops in my sleep. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of another question. A lot of content creators that I come into contact with day to day are podcasters and they're doing interview content. And I know that we can bring a lot of these techniques in, in the edit. How would you advise a podcaster to kind of use some of these techniques? Maybe they're putting their podcast on YouTube and I know it's not the best content, but it's efficient because they already have the content. So they want to take advantage of some of these techniques. I think what happens most of the time with podcast hosts is like we get into this mindset of like, I got to do this as simple as possible because I only have so many hours in my day. And so we don't structure an actual show format. I mean, like for my podcast, I just get on and I share wisdom and it works for a lot of people. But I think that If I were to take the time in pre-production and really plan out a show that had comedic breaks and it had guests and it had really cool segments to it, that would be an incredible way to not only 
build a bigger fan base, but also, you know, to just like the simple things like get better audience retention and build a, a bigger community. It's so interesting you say that because part of me is like, yes, 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 because my background is more in video production. But part of me is like, when I listen to a podcast, I have adapted to the podcast style content. And so I only listen like when I'm running, when I'm doing the dishes. And I actually have a friend who has a really good podcast that I don't listen to because it's so dense with information that I need to be like writing it down. And so I don't listen to it because I listen to everything double speed when I'm on my run or when I'm in the car. So it'd be interesting to see if the audience would sort of adapt and embrace that higher production value model, or if that's really better as video because you have to pay attention. You know, you kind of want to fully engage. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I've listened to a number of shows that are super well-produced, and I've listened to a number of shows that are just somebody talking. And I like them both. I think it's just kind of based off of the content and the audience member, because I really do enjoy high produced content. Like one of my favorite podcasts is called Criminal. Have you, have you yeah, heard Criminal? Yeah. Oh, right. it's so good. And there's, they, she's got great segments in there. Her storytelling yeah, is insane right. and the segments are phenomenal. So I don't know. Or you even know, like This American Life or Radio Lab. Yes. I take back everything I said. I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. This American Life is great. <laughs> What's the one where the host was trying to help free that? Is it cereal? Guy? Is that the one? Cereal, you're thinking of? yes, yeah, cereal, yeah. cereal. So good, so right. good. Yeah, I take back everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a different format, you know, and and I think that it's the same on YouTube. Like you can have a really big audience with just like a very simple format, but you have to be saying the right things and dropping the right value. I think that it's easier to drop value if you put more effort into pre-production because value is what you're focusing on. Where sometimes like I'll get on and I won't even know what I'm going to talk about on our podcast and I'll be like, okay, yep, I'm going to talk about this. And then I'll sit there and I'll riff for 15 minutes and people still like it, but it's not the most valuable piece of content out there. You know, it's more of a volume game. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a kind of a trick question, but I bet your answer is going to be probably very similar to mine. How do you define value for your audience? So that's a really good question because one of our best clients, his name's Alex Hermosi. He's got a, a business YouTube channel. So Alex sits in a closet and records his videos in about 15 minutes. And he'll just sit, talk to the camera. But the things that he's saying are so valuable that it doesn't matter. He could be upside down, you know, hanging from his closet in the dark. And it's like, people would still watch it because the content is so incredibly good. And it's leaving the audience with something that they were looking for, something they didn't have when they came. And so I think that if you are saying things that you know that your audience needs to hear and it's helping them create a transformation in their life, it really doesn't matter what your production quality looks like. Again, it's like there are so many different ways to create valuable content that I think that it's just up to what you can do, what your preferences are and what you have time for. Yeah, you're so right. If the person is there to learn something and they get what they needed to hear, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I even like to tell clients that value really is just what's the reason that the listener is there. There's a great expression that like all podcast listeners are narcissists. And they listen for their own reasons. They don't care about yours. But so some of them are just listening because they feel alone and they want to feel like they have company or they might be listening because they need a laugh. So it's like kind of getting clear on what the value is for the audience. Sometimes it's information, but sometimes it's entertainment or, you know, 
it can be a lot of different things, the value for the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that if you understand your audience avatar and you can empathize with that audience, then you can create content very easily. That doesn't have to be well-polished. It just has to be what they need. So what do you think people get wrong about YouTube, you know, creators? Like there's got to be some things that just make you crazy. Yeah, looking to your left and to your right and making decisions based off of what other people are doing. That's probably like the biggest cause for failure on YouTube is somebody sees somebody else do something and then they try to copy it themselves and they realize they can't do it. We're all on this journey alone and authenticity is crucial to success on any social media platform, being who you are. I always tell people like people are coming to YouTube as humans looking for a human experience. And if you're not providing that, they can sense it immediately. And I made the mistake personally when we first started of trying to emulate some of the people that I was following because I was modeling myself after them. And it wasn't really until I started just not caring about what I was like or not feeling like people were judging me for just being authentic that things really started to take off. And then as soon as I became authentic, it was like the audience felt better. They fell in love with the content that we were doing and we were able to build a substantial community off of it. But that's my biggest pet peeve is just people thinking that they have to be something that they're not in order to grow on social media. You are enough. You, Marion, are enough. But you at home, you audience are enough too. Like you can build, anybody can build a YouTube channel with 100,000 people who want to follow you for you. But you have to be you. Yeah, I love that. That's such good advice. And even though you said you're on this journey alone, there's also people like you that can help and give some guidance. Yeah, yeah. What I mean by that is like, I'm a creator. By the way, I wasn't trying to disagree with you. I was That was my like really kind of sad attempt at giving you like an opportunity to get a little plug in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, you're, you're absolutely right. Like what I mean by that is like we're creating content, you know, like stripped down naked soul. Like we're creating content as creators. We're doing that alone. But yes, like being a part of a community is essential to success, in my opinion, right? It's like, read the book, Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill talks about having his mastermind communities and having people that he surrounds himself with that are like-minded individuals. And even talks about like having these visions of Abraham Lincoln next to him and his like whole community of like elites who are in his mastermind. And so, yeah, we very heavily promote that in our business and video marketing world. It's like, join our community. This is where people who are on the exact same path as you are, are people who have succeeded on this path where they're at, where they're happy to share their knowledge and help you get from where you're at now to achieving your goals. I told you this already. I work with a lot of podcasters. A lot of them are asking me, should I put my podcast on YouTube? <laughs> of course, that one had to come up. <laughs> yeah. It's like the most common question, right? Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, for the longest time, I said, no, don't ever do that because you're trying to merge one platform with another and the audience on YouTube will have a much harder time connecting with a podcast because it's not for them. It wasn't made for them. What I say now is if you want to do that, create clips out of your podcasts that are focused on one specific topic at a time and then create an introduction for your YouTube audience 
to tell them what they're going to get from this clip. So it'd be like, if you have a clip about opening loops and closing loops, you'd say something along the lines of, hey, you guys, today I'm going to share with you one of my favorite podcast clips where we're talking about opening and closing loops on YouTube. So if you guys are interested in learning how to get longer watch time and how to build a more solid community, then you're definitely going to want to pay attention to this clip because it is incredible. Wait, wait, wait. Did you open a loop in that? <laughs> I don't I? think you did. I think you yeah. got to do that again with a with a loop opener. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, no, no, I was. I was just about there. <laughs> I, I swear, I was just about there. My next line was going to be, and wait till you get to the end because I drop a bomb of a golden nugget that you're not going to want to miss. There's your open loop. But you got to have a golden nugget then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to make sure you got a golden nugget. But the thing is, like, golden nugget is a subjective term. You know, what you feel is gold, somebody else might not. But what they hear as gold, maybe you didn't think was gold. So you can say things like, I'm going to drop a golden nugget and be right no matter what, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I don't want to name any names, but there is a YouTuber out there. And at first I really was like, engaged by this person's content because it was speaking to creators. And this person does so much of the like sort of opening the loop and leaving you hanging. And then it's just like freaking an hour of filler. You know what I mean? Like they're just trying to get, you can tell their whole design is to beat the algorithm and get you to stay there. And after a couple of these, you're just like, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and it becomes a turnoff. Where's the line there? I'm thinking of that with the golden nugget too. Like it's got to at least be silver, right? Again, this is the hardest thing about moving a podcast over to YouTube because unless you have it like pre-produced, you've got to go back through and reorganize things in a way where you know that your podcast is going to have open loops and closed loops all along the way for that YouTube audience. But when you're creating content for YouTube, there are a lot of people who do that. We're like, okay, you guys, number five, I'm going to tell you the biggest, darkest secret that I've ever had in my life. So just hang tight. We're going to get there in a minute. And then for the like next five or six minutes, they're talking about things that you already know, or they're talking about nonsense that really doesn't matter. Or like the greatest example I could give is when you go to Google and you search for a recipe and you end up on somebody's blog and you've got to scroll through like a hundred years of backstory in order to find the recipe. Like that's the absolute worst. So what I would say is structure your content in a way that there are loops opening and closing all along the way. So for example, if we're talking about opening and closing loops, it'd be like, I get into the meat of the content. I'd say something like, okay, guys, let's dive into the content. So first of all, why do you want to open a loop? In just a second, I'm going to tell you a story about somebody who has mastered opening and closing loops. But before I do that, I want to tell you about why it's important to open loops. And so now I've opened the loop saying, I'm going to tell a story and then I've backtracked and now I'm going to give a little education, but they're ready for that story. They're waiting for that story. And then, so every point that I make, I could do that too. Or it's like, you guys, I have these clients who search for rodents in their walls, and I've got to tell you the funniest story in just a second. But first, I want to tell you why they do what they do. And so you're opening a loop and leaving them hanging for just a a minute or two, and then you're coming back and giving them some education or helping fill that. And it helps drag out your watch time, but there's like enough pattern interrupts in each video that people don't feel like they're just like sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting for the action to happen. Yeah, I think that's a great model. And I'm lucky because with the podcast, again, like once people are there, you still have to stay interesting. Don't be boring. That's my latest like just tagline. Do not be boring. (laughs) But, you know, 
most people are doing something else. And so they're not going to tune out quite as quick as they are on YouTube. And that does make it a little less pressure. So this has been so great, Scott. Like, I have learned a lot. I'm sure my audience is going to learn a lot. I enjoyed it. Any parting words before I let you plug your stuff? What would you like people to know about creating grounded content? One of the things that I always try to leave people with is something that's, you know, it's a little bit more on the empowering side, right? It's like everybody has a message that they want to share. And I think that there are a lot of people who are sitting at home who are afraid to get on social media because they're afraid of ridicule or they're afraid of hearing their own voice or afraid of what they look like. And the way around that is to just press that record button and get started. Like anybody who wants to be a social media superstar, you can have it. Like we live in a generation where anybody, literally anybody, I mean, there are grandparents on TikTok that have millions of subscribers and are crushing it. And all that it took was them to hit that record button for the very first time. And once you do that, it's much easier to hit it a second, third, and start And, and open some so, loops. And open, open some of them loops. <laughs> All right. Tell me a little bit about how people find you and about Video Marketing World and the other work that you do. So I'm all over social media, but where I really love for people to come to is our Facebook community. It's just the Video Marketing World Facebook community. If you just search Video Marketing World, you'll find our group. Come over there. We're dropping education every single week. We've got a lot of amazing social media superstars that are a part of that. And then you can stay up to date with what we have going on. But if you want to connect with me personally, just slide into my DMs on Instagram and <laughs> and send me a message. I'm happy to, to communicate and with And I y'all. bet there's a ton of golden nuggets in that Facebook group. Lots of golden Lots nuggets. Of golden nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Grounded Content Podcast. If this was valuable for you, look up Scott Simpson. Go look me up. I'm at Mad Motion on all the social media platforms. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you found interesting. Let us know what you disagreed with. Podcasting can feel like a one-way medium. I record, we edit, we publish, but we don't always hear back from you. And we really love to hear back from you. So send me a note anytime. I truly appreciate those notes. There are a bunch of great guests coming up, including an expert on building community online, an expert on podcast guesting, and two incredible incredible interviews with different story creation experts. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're on so that you do not miss the next episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.